three, two, one. Welcome back to another episode of What the Bleep Are They Talking About? The podcast where we help you understand what everybody's talking about in the news today. I'm Jack. I'm Jennifer. And before we get started, make sure you share this content with everybody you know. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us on all the social media. But remember, don't follow people in person because that's kind of creepy. And talking about people, we have a special guest today from the Unity Party. Elijah, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, no, absolutely. My name is Elijah Hurston. Uh, I'm the Western Regional Director and the Creative Director for the Unity Party of America. Um, I'm based out of uh, Denver, Colorado. That's so cool. So tell us a little bit more about the Unity Party for people who might not have heard of them, because it is a smaller party. Am I correct? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, in regards to all centrist-based parties, a lot of them are a lot smaller. A lot of people hear about, you know, two of the main ones, um, but there's some of the smaller ones that, you know, aren't talked about quite as often. Um, Unity is building a lot. Um, we're a we we're a party that doesn't try to stay directly in the middle ground. We try to find the best solution, you know, for the most amount of people. Um, so we started in Colorado. Uh, we were founded by Bill Hammonds. Um, he was just getting really, really frustrated with politics in general and how everything was becoming so one-sided, either on the left and right. Um, so back in 2003, he decided to start the Unity Party. And ever since then, we've been building a lot. Um, so we, we were founded and created within Colorado, um, but now we've We've hit almost all of the United States. So I'm kind of curious. So, Bill, what political party did he identify with before starting Unity Party? Um, that's actually a good question. I'm not 100 percent sure where okay. he really, really, you know, right. set, where he was registered. Let's say, mm-hmm. um, but I know that he's always been, you know, in general, kind of you know, middle ground when it comes to you know American politics. But uh, okay, what about you? If you don't mind us asking, did you like have one of the main political parties that you aligned with or have you kind of always so just I've, yeah absolutely i think i've always been pretty independent i've mm-hmm. had times where i felt that i've leaned a little bit further left i've had times where i felt like i've leaned a little bit further right i mean it doesn't necessarily always have to do with you know who's you know running a lot of the government at the time i think it, it there's been different times where it's just changed based off of how the country is in general um but i've always kind of fallen Ever since I've been old enough to think about politics and to vote and to you know have some of those conversations, I've always found myself to fall somewhere. And so, when it comes to the Unity Party, is there any other kind of centrist parties that maybe people don't know about? You know, we there are a lot. I mean, there's the new Ford Party that Andrew Lake's pushing um, that he's founded, right? Um, we have you know everyone knows most people know about the Green and the Libertarian parties. Mm-hmm. With those two, though, I don't find them to be centrist parties. I find them to be different types of left and right parties, right? So that's where people, you know, get confused when they think of some of these other third parties. At the same time as well, I don't think that just because you aren't a Republican or a Democrat that you are somewhere in the middle. Um, I think, like, there's a constitutionalist party, which used to be somewhere in the middle, but I personally find them to be further right than even Republicans now at this point. Um, So I think it's, politics are very, very fluid. And us trying to throw them into these buckets, I think that's where I try to find somewhere in the middle. And that's what I say all the time: is people always message, and they're like, "Oh, you seem like you're you're far left. You also seem like you're far right." And I'm like, you know, there's more to politics than just D and R, right? I think Jennifer puts it really well. She says, "Jack, you're more of a uh, what fiscal conservative but socially liberal." Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and, and if I had to label myself, you know, at most gen very general times, I mean, that's where I'd probably find myself as well. I just think it's so funny because while we're out and like, going door to door and things like that the amount of people who are like no i'm not going to look at his policies because he's a democrat and i'm like well then what are you voting for why why do you even get involved is it just to win or is it to actually make change so i think that's why we need those more center parties to like kind of come in and smack everybody yeah and that's what i like about finding people with immunity and, and being the place that i am as well because I think I can have more conversations with a lot more people. And if I can talk about somebody like Jack, who are Republican, and they're not going to immediately shut me down, or they might shut you down, um, I can have a conversation about somebody like you, and and they can be a little bit more, you know, just listening to some of those things. Um, because I'm not, somebody in the middle isn't a threat, at least right now. <laughs> So I'm going to hit you with a, a hard question I just thought of. How do we break the two-party system? What are your ideas for that? You know, the, so there's a lot of ways to do that, and I don't think any of them are going to be quick. Um, I think having conversations is the biggest thing, is having conversations like this. Um, have, you know, I like to bring a lot of different people together and have conversations with Republicans and Democrats at the exact same time, you know, in one conversation. Um, and I've done that a lot. Um, but I think changing the way our voting is, you know, doing, you know, choice rank voting is an option that may or may not work, but we definitely need to look at the way we vote, um, because right now it really comes down to who you're voting for. And, you know, in recent years, are we voting for people or are we voting against them as well? And this kind of forces 100%. us to look at two extremes. So we need to find ways to resolve some of that. Um, but, you know, coming down to breaking the two-party system, I think it's more of a mindset having these conversations and letting people know that you know we have different options and just because you know it seems like you're losing your vote if you don't vote for a republican or a democrat right now it's more in regards to who you're voting for and the policies and the different types of things that they represent um, rather than voting for two different extremes you're absolutely right so one of the problems we have is with republicans and trying to find republican support for our campaign because like i said we want to reach both parties now, because I have a D next to my name, many Republicans don't want to help sign the ballot petition form to help us just get on the, to the, onto the ballot for the, for the primaries. Except, so we have a lot of Republican-leaning positions, such as the Second Amendment. But because we have that D next to our name, they don't want to help, except even though that there might be more progressive or more far-left competitors in the field. So we find that to be a pretty big problem when it well, comes just down to tribal lines. Right, and that's what's funny is it's when you're talking to a lot of people, it's almost like when, you, when you're talking to, just as the example, a Republican, and you're talking about a more moderate Democrat, I think that scares them a little bit more, and mm -hmm. vice versa, because that person is all of a sudden more of a threat than the enemy that they're always trying to make out. Right? That's there's a good a, point. Some of these extreme, extreme left or extreme, extreme right can be made into this negative where it's a lot harder to do that with somebody who's like, like, well, like you bring a Democrat to a Republican, they're like, oh, well, they're going to take our jobs. It's like, well, from your platform, you could never say that about you. Right. Um, so that all of a sudden, it, I think that's where politics have gone, where they, where we could have this better solution with a very moderate Republican or very moderate Democrat, mm -hmm. but all of a sudden, that's that's clouding the water of what we're telling people to vote against. 
And that goes back to my, we're voting against people and not for them, or against policies and not for better ones. Mm -hmm. And we need to find a way to, to correct that. And it's a mindset issue. Um, and I'm guessing one of those ways is, like you said, just having conversations with people and just, do you feel like people on both sides of the aisle agree with each other more than they believe that they do? Absolutely. I mean, if you take any two, any two people in the world on average and you put them and you list out all their ideals, I'm sure most of them fit into the middle of those two circles. They don't fall outside of each other. Everyone has the same goal of everyone wants to be happy, well off, healthy. Um, everyone wants that for their community as well, you know, for the most part. Um, and I think most policies, that's their goal, whether they're right or not. Um, I think it's a, it's rare that people completely disagree on most things. And I think when you talk to people actually like in person rather than hiding behind a computer screen, I think it makes it a lot harder to have that like anger towards somebody else because you actually finally see them as a person versus, oh, this is just something that I oppose on the internet, so. No, absolutely. But the good thing I found about the internet with having a lot of these conversations um, and it goes back to, you know, everyone's always creating an enemy out of things, is it's really hard to, you, you can never win an argument. You can, you can only have a conversation where both people are better for it or where people aren't, right? Um, but everyone has a stake, especially when it comes to politics, everyone has a stake of winning or losing, um, unless you completely change your mindset. So the good thing about the internet is when you're having that conversation, I'm probably never going to change that person's mind. Mm -hmm. But with it being so public, it's not about changing that person's mind. It's about changing everyone else's mind who's listening. Absolutely. Um, because they don't have a stake in winning against me or losing against me. They, they are just listening without, you know, with a, without win or fail. And that's why it's so important on social media is to not look crazy. Because if you start posting comments that are just obscene and using slurs and all sorts of things, you're not going to win anyone over. So if you just keep it respectful and just stay to your points, like you said, you're going to convince other people, but not the person you're actually talking with. No, absolutely. I mean, and sometimes you have to be the loudest person, um, but there's a right way to do it. I mean, you can be as right, you could be the most correct person in the room, but if you're doing that in a negative way, it's... It, it doesn't matter if nobody's going to accept it. So to shift gears a little bit, so Andrew Yang, I don't know if you've heard, has decided to become an independent. Is the centrist party going to try to pick him up or? No, so I think it's what he's party. doing is, right. Mm -hmm. uh, what he's doing, I think, is really, really positive. Um, I think mm -hmm. I kind of viewed him as a centrist anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, I think I view most people as a centrist. I mean, you can say that, um, that Biden was a Republican at one point, you could say that Trump was a Democrat, right? Right, right. <laughs> um, but I kind of viewed him more as like a more forward centrist either way. Um, but I don't think he's someone that you probably can pick up with a pre-existing party at this point. Um, and it's not really about that either. It's about um, him giving light to a lot of more centrist-based parties, I think is what the, the positives are. That kind of leads me into one of my questions. What would the um, Unity Party like to see in their candidate? So in somebody that they put their backing behind or somebody that that ran for you guys? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that, I mean, so the Unity Party has a, a platform that is on our national site um, that's, you know, voted on among the active members. And, you know, as many active members are welcome and those keep growing. 
um, but it's not really about the platform as much. While we have very general things that you know we think are important as a party as a whole on average, um, it's more of actually truly finding that person, that candidate, who's able to be the face of the country, who's able to work with people who are extreme left, extreme right, and very different. Um, so to be able to sit at a table with people of different values um, and, and somebody who's going to change their mind. Uh, I think that's the biggest problem is, you know, you can say, well, like, here's all these very specific issues and we can talk about those all day and we do, um, but who's somebody who's willing to change their mind later? Um, and that's hard to find. So that's somebody I would like to vote for. And I believe most people within unity would like someone like that as well. Very cool. And Very I think cool. that even helps today. I mean, you see that the, the Democrats have control of the House. They have basically controlled the Senate. But with the filibuster involved, it really just speaks to they really need someone, at least in the Democratic Party, who is able to work across that party aisle and to work with Republicans in, in order to get things through if they really wanted to. And so I guess it's they really need someone now more than ever who's willing to do that. Yeah, well, and it's funny that, like, you see people change their mind, and they don't change their mind when somebody presents them with new information. They change their mind when you know, when it's going to benefit them more. So, like, you see, like, in the filibuster, how many times the Republicans want to get rid of it, and all of a sudden they don't, the Democrats do, and things right, like that. Right. Um, and the funny part of that is, it's, it, and so I would respect a candidate, whether they're Republican or Democrat, who would hold true to their ideals mm-hmm. to that and not change with just, the pressure of the party because mm-hmm. we see so much of that unless they're changing their mind due to actual valid information that makes sense mm-hmm. we talk about that a lot on the podcast the we bring up so we've done a couple episodes on oh gosh um senator from west virginia and Kristen cinema and we really respect the fact that like you said they're not changing their positions despite the fact that they've got the entire the democratic party against them right now but they're setting in and they're like you know we don't like the spending and that's perfectly fine i admire them for that yeah that's something that we want to look for for sure i was gonna say too we we talk all the time about how i think we say at the end of every podcast like we're probably wrong (laughs) at least on some level and we appreciate when people come back and are like hey you got this a little wrong take a look at this source Mm -hmm. and then we go out and take a look at the source and we're like oh yeah okay Let's let's change our mind on that a little bit. So, especially right. when it comes to policies. So, one of the things that we found really beneficial today. So, we sp- spoke to a couple of community members today, and they are really involved at the ground level in their community. And the best part about that is they can tell us, like, hey, I read your policies. We agree with some of them, but you know, here, here, and here, maybe we could switch it because we realized that this would more better represent the people that we're talking on a day-to-day basis. So. Yeah, one when you being able to have those conversations and change your mind based off of some of that is important. But then also understanding that the person that you're going to support isn't going to agree with everything you agree with. Mm-hmm. Uh, too. So when you're looking at politicians, I think that's what that's what's created this party bucket system where everybody tries to force their ideals into what each party is, is because like they want to be able to fully support and fully win. And it's become this winning and losing game um, where politics is, it's not like that. I mean, it's, everyone should be winning. Um, but some of that takes sacrifice, compromise, and an understanding. And when, and that's why, that's what I like about unity. 
and the people that I've worked with within Unity and just my own experiences with anyone who's you know been drawn to it and joined. Um, and that's not always the case, obviously, right? But you know, on average, and the word itself is how can we create more unity? Um, and that's kind of what's drawn me to where I'm at now um, with this political party is to, you know finding people who are looking for some of the solutions, but understanding that I'm not going to agree with everything that each person is going to have an idea about. Makes perfect sense. So if you were to run, are you, are you ever planning to run for office? You know, not necessarily right now, but you know, I would never, you never say no to, right. to possibilities in the future. Never say never, right? So if you yeah. did run, I guess you would run in Denver. What would be some policies that you would like to, to see implemented at the, I guess the federal level, I guess. You know, at the federal level, I mean, there's a lot of things that are, you know, wrong with the country right now. A lot of things that need to be fixed. Um, I definitely, one of my personal and not necessarily unity as a whole, but my personal, you know, thoughts, um, the ones that are important to me as a person is I definitely want to, you know, affirm the second amendment. Um, I feel like that's, you know, constantly under attack, especially right now. Um, but then going the other way, I definitely think that, you know, our healthcare is atrocious. And I think that, you know, we need to be able to change that, not necessarily the way a lot of people say it needs to be changed, but it needs to be more accessible for people who need it. Um, and we need to not mirror what other countries do, but we need to make something that works for us that's not what we're doing today. Mm -hmm. um, so those would be two pretty big national policies that you know I would care about. And see, going off of just those two, I would think that they would benefit each other because you get better health care, you get better, especially mental health care. You don't have as many of those problems that like more, I guess, those people who are more against guns, like you wouldn't have their issues come up as often because that's their whole thing. Like their main thing is mental health care. So a lot of times these different policies can kind of fix each other, if that makes any sense, so. Right, no, absolutely. I mean, in yeah, the biggest thing is with, you know, with anything um, within our country is we need to look at just overall quality of life. When we have higher quality of life, and there's many ways to do that. That comes with healthcare, that comes with, you know, economics within our country, that comes with national and state level um, economics that we, if you have a higher quality of life, there's less crime, there's better health, there's higher education, you know, drives all of those things. Um, and there's so it's like taking some of these high-level issues that we have on a national basis and saying, well, we're always trying to look at the solution, at a single solution to these huge main issues that each party talks about, but they're really a bunch of very small little issues that we need to tackle and do appropriately. Mm -hmm. And we can only do that by working, Republicans and Democrats and centrists all working together. Right. Yeah. If you, uh, that's what we try to accomplish with all of our policies. So if you look at them, they're taking both Republican and left ideas. Right. So if we take, for example, what's happening at the border, we always talk about, well, what can you do about that? And my policy position is you need a short term and a long term solution. So short term being you maybe finish the wall. So at least that's short term, you're, you're, you're preventing the flow of traffic through, you know, uh, unguarded areas. But then at the same time, you're working to increase the amount of support that you're providing these foreign nations or increasing the number of amnesty centers to help people get in legally if they need that actual help. So just the short and long term solution. But the short term is more the Republican. The long term is more the the democratic side 
Right. Well, it's the, the concept of like you take those two extremes and you put them into reality. It's like, well, we need to really we do need to care about national security and having borders, you know, whether whatever your opinion on that is, when you look at some of those things, like, well, we in the world that we live in, it is important to be able to protect the people who are in this country. But it's also about protecting the people who are, you know, having to come trying to come across that. Exactly. I mean, it's a very dangerous situation. Right. So there's ways that we can protect our border while also making it so that those people have a safer easier and more than a legal route to get through mm-hmm. and then be but and to be able to strive here along with people in this country at the same time. Mm-hmm. and even looking at what happens when they get here so for instance last night we were proposing ideas of well what do we do with all of the undocumented immigrants here and one of the biggest problems is that they are being taken advantage of by corporations who underpay them and who don't have to respect their their worker rights because they're not legally here and so what do we do for the people here? And we've come up with a couple of ideas, but that just shows that a lot of these policies are connected. And working on one, you have to work on another. One part of the way to protect people who are being taken advantage of is to make sure we know who is coming over, right? Exactly. Being able to monitor some of those things. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, like I like what you said about the short term and long term mm-hmm. and having them connect. There's so many people look at one versus the other. And mm-hmm. it's, it's about sometimes you have to do things that aren't perfect Right. So that we have a short-term solution that works for the long-term. Now, I don't know how you feel about this, but I know people on the right are not going to like this idea. But the idea of kind of amnesty for undocumented immigrants here, because then at least we know who's here. They would receive a green card, so they wouldn't be able to be taken advantage of by corporations. They would get a fair wage, but that would also drive competition with U.S. workers. So when you say amnesty, are you talking about just in regards to not being deported for being an illegal immigrant? Or are you saying, like, what else does that mean? So our general concept was we would provide maybe like a one-year grace period. And within that one year, you have one year to go through the legal process of applying for a green card. And that that entails, you know, a background check, making sure that there isn't fraudulent history or criminal history, and just making sure that you're, you know, a, a good citizen and a good match for the country. Um, and if that's so, then sure, green card, you're here, you're working, you're providing for the country. Someone who wouldn't pass that criteria would be deported. After that grace period, then everyone that shows up to the border who crosses illegally, um, because they don't have a green card or a social security number, we know that they're not here legally, and then they would subsequently be deported. So just an easy way of, of knowing who was here before and who's coming in after. Right. One about that, too, is I think understanding how long the normal process takes now, because I think it's pretty convoluted and it's hard for a lot of people. So is a year an appropriate amount of time? Maybe it needs more or less, because that could be way too long or it could be not enough time, right? And you might know, but um, but then also being able to, you know, figure out some of the information in regards to, like, what do we need to change to make that a more efficient process and make it a better process? Because how many people who were born in the United States can't go through that process. It's too difficult, it's too expensive, mm-hmm. it's too convoluted. I mean, you think you take your average you know, person who lives in the United States and it would be very difficult for them to get through that process. That's true. And and of course, of course all of those things are, are fluid and would stand the, the test of time and people way smarter than us, but Absolutely. Well, that's but the that's thing. The conversations. Propose, yeah, you propose something with the concept that, like, well, this absolutely is going to change from what I proposed because it takes a large group of people to come up with a final solution. Right. Of course. Yeah. 
And obviously this is just coming from one perspective, so we could totally just have missed something completely. So. Right. Um, so do you have any questions for us or I guess Jack in particular? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, with what you're doing and you know, running for Congress in Florida, what, what drives you to be doing what you're doing in the political space? I was never very political about three or four years ago. And all of a sudden, YouTube starts showing you recommendations for political channels and you just watch one. And so I, I was really big into cooking, so I would just turn something on. I wouldn't even be paying any attention to it. And I would be cooking and it would be playing in the background. And the more it plays and the more you play it, the more it starts to become a part of your life. So over the last three years, I've become more and more and more political. And I hate every second of it because politics is awful. But I'm at a point where I've been watching so many people on YouTube because that's I'm young. That's where we get most of our, our news and our opinions yeah. from. And I realized that none of these people who have the influence, who have the money, who are telling me these things are doing anything about it. And I feel this awful thing inside, like I need to do something because I'm sick of listening to this conversation day in and day out about how the, the country is falling apart and how uh, you know, we need to come together, but no one wants to come together and, 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 and it's, it's all going down the drain. And so that's where I'm coming from is I feel like I need to do something and no one else is doing it. So I might as well throw my hat into the ring with no experience whatsoever um, and, and, and see where we go because someone has to do it. And I guess that's my passion that drives all of this. Okay. Now with, with being a Democrat who's running, you know, with more, uh, more centrist type platforms, you have a lot of things that kind of, if you read just one piece of your platform, you know, some people might say, and, and somebody had to judge it based off of that, they say, well, this is a Republican. Um, do you feel, how do you feel that that alters the way you communicate or the reactions you get from both Democrats and Republicans? And do you get a lot more, you know, outreach from, you know, centrist-based voters? I mean, how do you feel about those three different buckets interacting with you? I feel like we, we connect very well with people who aren't ingrained with the tribal politics. I have received messages from people on the right and the left who are sick of the tribal politics on the left and the right and who realize nothing are getting done. And that's kind of where we are. We're more in the middle. And, and people tend to like that. Uh, I think there was, so if you look at the polls, most people are moving away from Republican and Democrat. And I think we're perfectly positioned to, to meet everybody in the middle. Yeah, no, and I agree, and I think that's it's a it's an amazing time for that. I mean, because I get told all the time, like voting third party, you're just throwing your vote away, or you get told by some people that your vote's just going to the other candidate. Mm -hmm. That happens on both sides, and you're like, well, like whenever it's like during the last election, you'd, you'd have somebody say, well, your your third party vote is going to is, is a vote for Trump. I was like, well, is it not a vote for Biden, and vice versa? I was like, why is it not? And that was a fun conversation to have with people. Um, but you're right. I think right now is a time where people are so fed up and they're starting to see a lot of that, where I find people like you to be extremely important because it's like a stepping stone. Because um, I'd like us to have multiple, more, multiple parties all on an equal you know, footing within our country, running for president, running for Congress, running for Senate. Um, but I think somebody like you is a requirement 
where people need to step down those stairs. Somebody needs to be like, well, I'm a Democrat and I'm going to vote for this Democrat that has ideals that lean pretty far right. And having Republicans who are in the same place who are willing to vote for a Democrat all of a sudden. But that's going to open their mind open to some of these other parties where it wasn't before. So. I would say to that point, we're at a slight disadvantage because right now our our main goal is to win the Democratic primary. Um, so unfortunately, with Florida being a closed party system, we are only able to receive votes from Democrats. So to that point, we, we might be at a slight disadvantage running a, a more independent central campaign, but that's more true to what you what he is and what we are. So we're going to keep going with that. I, I've always said we just stick to what we believe in and we just keep marching forward. And hopefully within a year, people will kind of get behind us if we just keep moving forward. I think looking at how the polls are now, I, I think they'll continue to shift in our favor, God willing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that, like, I mean, and welcome to the world of centrist politics. We're right. always at a disadvantage. And when you say disadvantage, it's like it's a non-existent. Um, but it's, and that's why I say, like, where I'm trying to change the mind of everyone around me, not the person, you know, I'm having that conversation with. It's the same thing. If you're running against someone and you're at that disadvantage, well, it's not about winning. It's about all of the mindsets of the people who were like, well, what if Jack would have won? Would that have been a better, you know, option? So even if you don't win, you know, when, you know, that time comes around, mm -hmm. it, that mindset that you change, that's what matters. Right, it's, exactly, it, it, exactly. And tell we you said that the same all thing. the time. Even if we don't le win, at least hopefully we've changed someone's opinion on something. And we've learned well, so much. Mm -hmm. Like we've learned so much just about the process and the system and how it's really, really rigged against the common man. Mm -hmm. Like right. it, it's so hard. So... I mean, it's you're going to keep all about connections. You're going right. to keep getting stuck with the people who have are at the top just because the average person really can't run. Mm -hmm. Right. And I mean, and but then you you were proving that that's not necessarily the case. Hopefully. Right. Mm -hmm. that the average person can run um, and, you know, people can. Now, should they? Right. You said like politics sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're changing the minds of people so that later on. You know, and if you, and while you're learning, maybe you don't, you know, end up in Congress, but you end up understanding policies and the way things work a little bit to change things in other ways later. You know, so you have those other things or to educate people to change things later. And so there's always positives no matter what. That's what I love the most. So, so Jennifer is more left than I am. And so, like I said, I'm more conservative, uh, fiscally conservative. And so I love when she we start talking about like social programs. I'm like, well the taxes are like this and this is how this works. And she's like, Oh yeah, I guess you're right. Or I'm like, yeah, but mm, yeah, but, and he's like, no, no. And I'm like, Oh, darn it. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you, you make me think, don't you? So. Right. Well, and I think that's where like a lot of like the fiscally conservative views have like some basis behind them for like true economic things. But then you have to have some of those, some of the, like the more moral things that kind of draw some of that back sometimes too. And be like, well, even though this is a little bit less, it does help long-term. So it's, it kind of goes to that short-term, long-term thing too, so to have that balance. 
else. Right, and that's what I always say. So like social programs, fantastic, but you need at least some rules and regulations to make sure that they're sustainable for the long term so they can help the most amount of people before you know losing their wind. Well, because social programs are absolutely needed and people mm -hmm. deserve to have that absolutely. support. But then we have people fleeing certain countries that are overloaded with social programs mm -hmm. that don't work and they come to a place like this. So it's like you have to find the middle ground. Yeah, you have to help people efficiently and effectively. Like, yeah, you can throw as much help as you want at somebody, but if it doesn't do what it was intended, or if it runs out too quickly, you know what was the point? Mm -hmm. So, how did you get your start in politics? Um. So I have never been super super. You know, into politics, just like you, it's only been the right. last couple of years. Um, but I've always been very open to having conversations with people, and, you know, always ready to disagree with someone. And I think I've been successful on that, <laughs> very successful arguer. Um, but I think people, I've changed a lot of people's minds over the years, and I do it, you know, effectively. And, you know, I've been a project manager and a data analyst throughout my career. I've been in IT, so I look at things, and I look at statistics, and I look at the facts of things, but I also know how to deal and work with people. Um, I've done a lot of uh, like political marketing prior to getting into the Unity Party, where I help you know market companies, market politicians, and help them to drive and kind of push their image. And part of that is when I kind of got connected with Bill Hammonds um, with the Unity Party and seeing and trying to help him out. Um, I actually helped Bill design uh, or push the final logo for the Unity Party with Aryush, um, and it just kind of went from there. So while I've been mostly just a not affiliated with anyone just as an independent and kind of helping who I you know saw fit um it kind of fell you know in the last you know year and a half with the unity party very cool so if anyone watching this if they were kind of on the edge what would you say to kind of help push them more towards the center and away from into more into the unity party the thing that I would push somebody into, like voting for a centrist party, any centrist party, but especially the unity party, um, would be to come try to tell me why you think it's a bad idea. Uh, because I openly invite that. And that's actually really smart. That's, I, like, I that. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's like, would you finding someone who's super, super far on the right or the left, mm -hmm. like, do any of them come forward and say, does a Republican say, come make me a Democrat? Or does a Democrat say, come make me a Republican? Maybe. Mm -hmm. But it's super, super rare, especially when they have a whole party behind them backing them, that they need to keep the respect and backing of the people that this giant group that's behind them. Where me or anyone within the Unity Party, I think we're all very, very open to change. Um, we have our ideals, we have our values, but we know that everyone within our group does not share every single thing. So come trying to change my mind, tell me why it's a bad idea, and I'll tell you why it's a good idea. And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty confident that. As long as you're someone who's capable of changing your mind at all, that I will. I honestly think I'm a convert, so. <laughs> you can uh, try to get hurt. <laughs> hey, maybe maybe you guys will both be registered uniters within the year. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> Let's we'll keep see. having conversations. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, maybe after this next election. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah for that's sure, right. For if sure. I lose, everyone out there, if I lose, then I'll have no choice, so. Nothing holding yourself. us back. <laughs> so, 
No, the real thing to scare them is say if you lose this one, you'll run as a Republican next year, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, anything else? Uh, I'm out of questions. Anything else for, for you from you for us or? No, um, I appreciate you guys having me on today. And, you know, I appreciate I've read through your platform and I've watched the, some of your podcasts and things like that. And, you know, I'd love to keep having conversations. Oh, real quick. What do you disagree with when it comes Ooh. to our platform? Hmm, what do I disagree with? I You can pull was, it up if you need to. Yeah, I want to look it up because I was looking at things I've kind of some of the conversations with. Yeah. And there was something that I was interested in that I wanted to disagree with you on. <laughs> Um, we love it when people disagree with us and when they tell us we're wrong, so. So I definitely think that I don't necessarily agree with your concept against nuclear fuel, um, but it's not that I'm against your other solution to it, um, but I don't necessarily, that would be something that I would have, you you know, a, a discussion with you about that I wouldn't necessarily initially agree well, I am. I'm actually for nuclear. I think nuclear is great. Then maybe well, we need so to revamp your policy I think so. <laughs> online. So, so your policy on here, what does it say? Let's mm -hmm. look it up. It said something in regards to having a different option, though, right? Yeah, it's more so. So thorium is like the next big thing. So the problem I read when it comes to nuclear is that it's expensive because of the fuel that they have to use. But thorium, it's supposed to be the next nuclear but it's supposed to be cheaper because the fuel that okay. they use is more readily available okay okay now yeah so maybe i misread that i read through all of your policies a lot over the last and like, there's a lot years, of so. them so no and the, the, so the funny thing is there's not a lot it's, a, it's hard for me to find something that i disagree with in regards to your policy that's good to hear when yeah. we look at like the other candidates running against us, they have like maybe six and they don't oh really say anything. Mm -hmm. So, I feel and like... I think they're doing it correct. I really do. From a strategic standpoint, I think saying less is it's more is, is better. But I, I, for me, I want to let people know what I'm running for. So, for instance, the other candidates, they're all cookie cutter policies. So like climate justice or just other buzzwords that don't explain very much. But. Right, well, that's about what you're actually saying, not about the buzzword that gets everybody. But the hard part is, is you need some of those buzzwords to get people drawn in because that's yeah. what politics is today. So. Very true. But thank you, Elijah, for coming on. And we'd love to have you in the future. Yeah, no, absolutely. I appreciate it. Awesome. Perfect. All right, and we will see everybody next time. See you later.